Bridge Bank helps breakthrough ideas actually break through and remains dedicated to providing financial solutions to the risk takers, the game changers, and the disruptors. Bridge Bank, a division of Western Alliance Bank. Bridge Bank, be bold, venture wisely. From KQED. From KQED in San Francisco, I'm Ariana Prail in for Alexis Magical. A Bay Area sunset, pregnancy news, a weekly trip to the flea market, and a conversation about the meaning of love. Those are some of the memories KQED's arts and culture team wrote about for a special end of year series called One Beautiful Thing. As we approach the close of another year that saw its share of international conflict, continuing COVID, gun violence, and economic hardship, We'll reflect on the moments that made us feel good. So we want to hear from you. What was one beautiful thing you experienced in the past year? Tell us about it at forum at kqed.org. That's coming up next after this news. Welcome to Forum. I'm Ariana Prail in for Alexis Madrigal. 2022 has certainly had its hardships. You know, the cumulative effects of three years of living with COVID now, Russia's invasion of Ukraine, mass shootings, and also just the mundane demands and stresses of life. And yet it also held moments of beauty and resilience, which we'll reflect on this hour and hear why they matter to us. We welcome you to share your one beautiful thing, something you did or saw or received, by email to forum at kqed.org, or share them via Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, at KQED Forum, or you can give us a call now at 866-733-6786. Again, that's 866-733-6786 to share one beautiful thing that happened to you in 2022. Joining me first is the person who came up with this special series for KQED Arts. It's Kate, it's Gabe Moline, Senior Editor of KQED Arts and Culture. Hey, Gabe. Hi, Ariana. Good morning. So, Good morning to you. Yeah. What sparked the idea for this series, and why did you think it was necessary this year? Um, what sparked it is probably just the impulse to be human uh, for the holidays. Hmm. You know, um, this is a time of year when everyone kind of seems to unclench their teeth and recognize the beauty around them, you know, reflect on the year, the good, the bad. Um, Part of it was because I wanted to challenge my team to uh, be earnest. You know, one of the, one of the big challenges of journalism is to resist cynicism and becoming jaded. And that's even true in arts journalism, or maybe especially true in arts journalism. You know, we, we need to stay curious and empathetic or else we close ourselves off to recognizing beautiful things. So um, another reason is that the KQED Arts Desk, we we do a lot of different types of stories, right? We do features, investigative stories, news, but we recommend a lot of stuff too. Uh, we recommend music, plays, art, movies. And I think it's valuable to know the people behind the byline a little bit, hmm. you know, as as the audience you're going to read a review of a movie much differently if it was written by like, you know, Steve Bannon instead of John Legend. Right. right. You know, so it was a it was a twofold experiment um, challenge uh, the writers and editors of KQED Arts to slow down a little bit for December and kind of like earnestly review beautiful things from the year. 
Uh, but hopefully it helps connect you, the people reading them, uh, with, you know, what's important in life. So what was your experience of reading the essays and what was your takeaway um, from kind of the collection of them? Um, I learned a lot about the people that I work with every day. Um, <laughs> there were there was a whole variety, you know, there was um, just pure beauty, like, you know, Penn's essay about uh, noticing a sunset over his shoulder. Um, there were stories about parenting. Um, Alan Shazaro learned that he was going to be a dad the same day that the Warriors won the finals wow. and <laughs> wove it together really beautifully in this essay about, you know, we're starting our own team. We're going to have to be coaches, you know, <laughs> we're going to put in the new rookie. Um, Emma Silvers uh, wrote very beautifully about um, her child. I think he's three now. And uh uh, connecting with him over a 50-year-old TV special called The Point. Um, people may remember that um, by Harry Nilsson. Um, there were some very, very personal ones like um, Christie's essay about love, asking what is love? Mm -hmm. um, how will I know it's real when it comes into my life? Um, there was going through other people's lives, Sarah Hotchkiss, uh, spending her weekends at the flea market and going through you know, objects and you know, bric-a-brac from other people's lives. Yeah. Um, anyway, there was there was just a lot of different styles, different approaches, and different things that people thought were beautiful this yeah. year. Because it's all in the eye of the beholder, too. And that's what I think is great about this series. It's obviously, you know, talking. It's not talking about... It's talking about beauty in its purest form, not in the, you know, standards of beauty expectation, but really, you know, beauty in the eye of beholder, what brings you joy, what what you find beautiful. And and to that end, tell us a little bit about your one beautiful thing this year. <laughs> mine, mine sort of felt like a Hollywood movie. Yes, yours was uh, an adventure. <laughs> me, I'll, I'll try to make it short. Me and my family went to... New York City in November, um, uh, through no real fault of our own, one of our bags got uh, was in a taxi that drove away, and we had no idea what the medallion number was. What it, we had no idea how to get a hold of this taxi. I made a whole bunch of calls, and eventually, I uh, was that like <laughs> hapless tourist out on Lexington Avenue, hailing a cab and getting in and saying, "Follow that cab." Um, so for the next three hours, we stared at my wife's phone where there was the GPS find my iPhone feature, trying to track down my daughter's bag that was in this taxi cab. And it was a three hour taxi chase. Uh, we realized that the taxi driver that had it was breaking all of these rules and regulations of the New York taxi code. Um, wow. and my taxi driver was an absolute hero. He did not give up when I wanted to multiple times. And uh, just around midnight, we finally caught up with the guy and we got the bag back. And, Yay. Um, yeah, ending. it was it was really amazing. <laughs> nice. Well, another one of the essays that you mentioned briefly that's featured in the series is by Pendarvis Harshaw, columnist uh, for KQED Arts and host of KQED's Right Nowish podcast. He joins us now. Welcome back to Forum, Penn. Hello, hello. Good morning. Happy holidays. Yes, happy holidays. And we also have Thea Matthews with us. She's a poet and educator who serves as an assistant content producer at the Academy of American Poets and teaches poetry at the Writing Salon. Welcome to Forum, Thea Matthews. Thank you. Grateful to be here. Yeah. So, Penn, I'll go to you next. You wrote about a certain sunset, um, as was alluded. Tell us about what made it stand out for you, something that's, you know, we see often. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. So it's twofold. One, there's 
inside of that essay is a story that I reported on. I didn't get a chance to write about it. And it was an impactful interaction that I was like, I just never got the chance to write about it. Right. So I took this opportunity to discuss meeting with a, a famed San Francisco rapper, Selsky. He's been in the game for about 30 years. And so my discussion with him was mentioned in it. And then after that discussion with Selsky, I got caught up in San Francisco rush hour traffic. I tried to take an alternative route all the way back to Sacramento. And I ended, ended up on um, Highway 39, sorry, Highway 37, um, heading, heading toward Vallejo, which is opposite of the sunset. And in my rear view, I just noticed how beautiful the sunset was. And it made me think about all these times where I would drive to the top of a hill or to the edge of the bay or the edge of the ocean to watch the sunset. But sometimes it's just like where where it happens and you have to appreciate that moment. And also how fortunate we are to live in Northern California where there are so many fascinating places to see a beautiful sunset. Right. And what was the assignment like for you? Is this the kind of thing you typically make time to reflect on during the course of the year or this really did help you go like, oh, yeah, sunsets. Let me just like appreciate that for a minute. Yeah, it gave me an opportunity to scroll through my photos and I have all these blurry photos of sunsets all across Northern California. Um, I know. I hate how you it looks so perfect and you try and capture it and it just doesn't look the same. The hues, the purple doesn't pop the same, you know, like it just it's not there. The camera hasn't caught up to nature. I don't think it ever will. Um, But yeah, an opportunity to go through my archives and things that just reflect on the year. Um, So that was good. And then really the the end product um what Gabe mentioned is that challenge and like pushing the writers on the team but if you ask writers to write about a beautiful thing inherently the writers will use beautiful language and so what I really appreciate is looking at the whole scope of these essays all all of them and looking at just little just pieces of beautiful language um Alan in his essay mentioned specifically seeing a a positive pregnancy test on top of a warrior's onesie like that is just that's beautiful imagery and language and so things like that I I really appreciated that and Thea Matthews what about you what was your one beautiful thing from 2022 oh I have so many um but I just first want to comment because I've spent a lot of time reviewing the essays um from these journals and Penn yours was one of the essays that I really gravitated towards because you know I'm born and raised in San Francisco and I love nothing compares to a sunset um, on the West Coast, best coast. I mean, I love Brooklyn. You know, New York. What's up? It's it's good. Um, but I definitely will always have a strong affinity for the Pacific Ocean and when the sun sets west. And uh, I love what you said too about the um, camera catching up to nature. And then Gabe, yeah, that was the absolute movie. You can't make that stuff up. And so as a poet, you know, I've been reflecting on one beautiful thing. Gosh, in the year of 2022, I would have to say leaving the country. <laughs> mm. And where'd you, know? you go? Um, you know, I went to, um, I visited four countries. Uh, I went to Berlin and was able to deliver poetry to a live audience. And that was just absolutely magnificent. And from there, you know, went to Switzerland, visited a friend, and then Paris, London. And I would have to say, yeah, just admiring all the street art and all the artists that somewhat go unnamed, Mm. but give their legacy on the wall. They put all of what they got and it just, you know, there's some streets and you can find that anywhere, right? In the States and SF, like 
you know, with Clarion Alley, definitely parts of New York for sure, of like graffiti art, street art. Um, but just, yeah, looking around in places like Paris, London, and just seeing just the streets be decked in yeah. murals, images um, that are political, that, um, you know, really explore themes of identity. And, you know, with that beauty, it's so much of beauty comes with, comes alchemy. Yeah. You know, can I alchemize the horror, the terror, uh, the exquisite hell <laughs> that we sometimes find ourselves in, right? Um, yeah. Well, we actually have a com- we have a brief comment from Bill as we go into the break, also related to travel. It says, I went to Mexico City by myself and traveled all over the city using public transportation. It is such a beautiful city. And we are talking about one beautiful thing you experienced in 2022, whether it was a beautiful moment, something that kept you grounded amid chaos, a time you felt healed or welcomed a surprise. You can share yours with us. Give us a call at 866-733-6786. That's 866-733-6786. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, or at KQED Forum. Email is forum at kqed.org. We're talking with Pendarvis Harshaw, columnist for KQED Arts, Thea Matthews, poet and educator. And we're going to say goodbye to Gabe Malin but thank him, Senior Editor, KQED Arts and Culture, for coming up with this great topic and essay series that you can find at kqed.org arts. Thanks for joining us, Gabe. Thank you. Yep. And we'll have more after the break. We're going in with Ilu J, Rat Race, a beautiful thing for me. I discovered this song. It was one of my favorites. I'm Ariana Prail. You're listening to Form. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. Welcome back to Forum. I'm Ariana Prail in for Alexis Madrigal. This hour, we're talking about one beautiful thing from 2022 based on a KQED Arts essay series of the same name. I'm talking with Pendarvis, Har- Pendarvis Harshaw, columnist for KQED Arts and host of KQED's Right Nowish podcast, and also Thea Matthews, poet and educator. And uh, before the break, we were kind of going around and getting to hear everybody's um, one beautiful thing. And you know, when I was reflecting on this topic and considering beauty, you know, and why it even matters, I came across a quote from artist Theaster Gates in Chicago, who's known for blending art and performance and urban planning. And it was in a TED profile um, from some years ago, and it says, quote, 
At every level of the human experience, we are looking for the beautiful, something that gives priority to our souls, not just our physical needs. We drink in nature. We yearn to commune with the beautiful. We crave the sublime. So that's why the starting point for everything I do is the beautiful, not the practical. That line, something that gives priority to our souls, not just our physical needs. Thea Matthews, I'm curious what your reaction to that quote is and why you think beauty, um, again, in this purest form of like in the eye of the beholder, why that matters. Mm, great question. Um, and I love that quote, you know, we're tracing the sublime <laughs> and the beauty. Um, and it's just like beauty is so seductive, right? And the eye of the beholder means like beauty is often arbitrarily defined, but yet there is overlap, right? There are commonalities where you know, two people, two strangers can just be in absolute awe of a sunset, right? Mm -hmm. Or, you know, looking up and just seeing the coral and hues of purple, you know, streaks across the sky. It's glorious, you know? Um, that chase for beauty, um, subconscious or unconscious, in many ways is a quest for searching what's deep within. Mm -hmm. um, that beauty, you know, it's where can I find my reflection? Um, in unsuspected places. Um, it's a mirror, really. I hope that makes sense. I'm kind of, maybe it's too meta. Yeah, no, <laughs> that's fine. We have, yeah, we have the space to go there. That's all good. And, and Penn, I'm actually curious about your take on that. Both just you as Penn and then you as a parent as well, as someone who's responsible for the physical and soul needs of not just yourself, but a little human. I'm just curious if if that kind of plays into you know, how you think about beauty in terms of also like wanting to create beautiful moments for your child as well. Yes. Could you read the last line of that quote again for me, please? Um, that's something that's pr something that gives priority to our souls, not just our physical needs. We drink in nature. We yearn to commune with the beautiful. We crave the sublime. So that's why the starting point for everything I do is the beautiful, not the practical. Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, we have these ambitions. So I write out to-do list regularly, right? Mm -hmm. And like, I have these ambitions and it would be beautiful if I'd stuck to everything on my to-do list. And then I'll walk down the street and I'll bump into somebody who I didn't imagine I'd see today and we'd end up grabbing coffee because that's in the moment. And those are the things that end up being the, the real beauty of the day. You know, when I, as a parent, I talk to my daughter before bed, we do five things from this day. And it's usually the things like that, the unexpected, the thing that I didn't put on the to-do list that stands out as remarkable or beautiful, if you want to use that word. Um, and so, yeah, I, I think it says something about uh, how we try to control life. <laughs> how do we, right. we, do, we, uh, we, we try to be godlike. Um, and, and that's not what we're here for. We're here to, to be present and to enjoy and take it in and be in the moment. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, we're getting some more comments. Uh, this listener writes, our family has been healthy and two great grandchildren were born. Wonderful. Yes. And congratulations there. Lindsay tweets, adventures with my dog. Yes, it's the sim it's simplicity of that. Um, Darian writes, there was a beautiful thing only yesterday at the new farm in San Francisco. Great local musicians and visual artists coming together at the new farm for a terrific day of community, conviviality and chickens. There we go. And we also have a call. Let's go to caller Anita in Oakland. Anita, you're on. Hi. Hi. Welcome. Morning. What was your one beautiful thing for 2022? 
Uh, well, I, I uh, end up going on a tra- in June. I'm an airport employee. I mean, airline employee, so I go standby, and it's usually full flights. But I thought I was going to Columbia. Next thing I know, I get to Houston. I find out my paperwork's not in order. And next thing I know, I have to figure out where to go. And I didn't want to go to Panama, but that was the place that seemed to be available. I went there because I. I've been there as a flight attendant many times, and um, it seems too similar to the United States in a way, uh, and I wanted something really different. Mm-hmm. But I went there, and I contacted my shuttle driver, and he was on vacation. My heart sunk, and next thing I know, I'm on a four-hour bus ride to his hometown, and uh, nobody's ever visited him in the 20 years that he's worked for us. And it was just magical, and every day I didn't know where I was going, what I was doing, and it was it was just amazing. I met so many great people, and now I'm totally connected to Panama, and I speak Spanish, and I loved it. It was great. Oh, wow. What was one of your favorite parts of the trip? Oh, the people. The people. I, I just learned so much about the countryside, about the Antillean background of people that came supposedly to work on the Panama Canal, and uh, just their whole history that we don't seem to really hear anything about Mm -hmm. and when I uh, go there I always ask my driver where should I go where should I visit and he always has been spot on knowing what I'm looking for just knowing that other communities that are never highlighted even you know not just the United States all over the world that uh, that there's so much to learn about them and why they came to those places and uh, it was just fascinating uh, the Antillean Museum in Panama. Nobody was there, but it was one of my favorite places to go. And just the people. Uh, Old Banks, my favorite spot in uh, in Panama was Old Banks. And you should check it out. It's got its own very unique history and language. Cool. Well, thank you for the recommendation and glad you got to experience that. Thanks, Anita. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Thank you for having this show. Yeah. And just a reminder to our listeners, we welcome you to share your moments. What was one beautiful thing you experienced in 2022? Was it a beautiful moment, something that you kept that kept you grounded amid chaos, a time you felt healed or welcomed a surprise? It could be a walk with your dog, a coffee shared with a friend, the whole gamut of what thing can embody. So you can give us a call at 866-733-6786. That's 866-733-6786. Or get in touch on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, or at KQED Forum, or email us at forum at kqed.org. And one of the other essays in the KQED art series, One Beautiful Thing, is titled How a Ukrainian Mystic's Ice Water Cure Helped Me Cope with the Chaos of 2022. It's by associate arts editor Nastya Vanoskaya. And Nastya lived in Russia until age seven and has family members from both Russia and Ukraine. In her essay, she talks about feeling stuck in a loop of despair since Russia's invasion of Ukraine. I spoke with her about it briefly last week, and here's a snippet of our conversation. Back in February, Russia invaded Ukraine in what's become an ongoing war with increasing casualties. And you've written and even spoken on forum before about your blended Russian and Ukrainian family and the impact it's having, the war is having on you and your family. So how has this year felt for you? It's felt a little bit 
exhausting. I think uh, a lot of us can probably relate to that, you know, almost three years now of living through the pandemic, a war, all this rising inequality here in the Bay Area, and it just feels like it takes more and more of our perseverance and more and more of our resilience. And I know a lot of people have felt tapped out, and, and I have myself, you know, multiple times throughout this year. And so what was one beautiful thing for you amidst the inner and the outer turmoil that's been going on? I was reflecting on how maybe this type of chaos and war for a lot of people has been a sort of constant of humanity. I was trying to tell myself all these things are going to keep happening, but how am I going to find the spiritual resolve to still pursue what I want to pursue in life and find joy? Something that's really been helping me find that inner calm from all this chaos has been cold water therapy. And I know this is a kind of like new agey thing that's popular right now. I read an an article in The New Yorker recently about how all of these super wealthy people are installing like $14,000 ice baths in their homes and things like that. But I was reflecting on it and realizing that this is actually something I grew up with from my childhood in Russia. And I started tapping into that a lot more. And it was actually triggered from a ski trip that it seemed like there was like a deep recessed memory of of that kind of practice that your your family would use. Yeah, I got invited on a ski trip last March in Utah for a friend's wedding. And it had been about a month that the war had been going on. And I was just like doom scrolling every day. I had very bad boundaries with myself and was just always on social media there. It was just wild seeing a war play out in real time through people's posts and videos. I just felt this really heightened sense of anxiety I didn't know how to get out of. And the first time in that month that I felt kind of free from that was when I was flying down this mountain on skis. And I'm not very good at skiing, but it was just like being immersed in this brisk, cold air, the feeling it numb my face, the feeling of snow when I fell, going down my ski clothes. It was this super sensory experience, and it allowed me to get back into my body, and that was what really, really helped me get grounded again. And then when I I realized how good that felt, and then I realized, wait a minute, this is actually something that I was raised to practice because when I was growing up in Russia my mom would dump cold water on me and my sisters after baths there are a lot of Russian parents that just send their kids out in in their underwear like into the snow (laughs) it's a cultural practice that's seen as a way of building resilience and I always just thought that it was a quirky interesting facet of my culture but then I really saw it kind of helping me in real time in my adult life so I decided to start being a little more intentional about that and so this practice has a term in Russian right what is that it's called zakayevanya organismo and that basically just means like hardening your body <laughs> but yeah it's known to make you stronger so at the Archimedes banya in San Francisco there's you know these super super hot almost infernal saunas and then this freezing cold plunge and for a while I was scared to get in it but then after that ski trip I went there and I I, I spent you know four hours roasting myself plunging into the cold plunge doing it again 
And by the end, it really felt like all of this stress was lifted. And it's like the the physicality of coping with those temperatures just really kind of evaporates these anxious thoughts from your mind. So I highly recommend. (laughs) Yeah. One part of your essay that really struck me is when you write, once again, the cold temperature put me in an altered state where sensory experiences felt more real. My eyes widened and I was conscious of my heartbeat. Amid the intensity, I felt a calm that's hard to come by on an average day of consuming news on social media. I mean, that's a really powerful takeaway. (laughs) Thank you. It's hard when you're just scrolling, you know, you can feel kind of like a zombie. And especially for us working in media, it's like, you know, it's hard to step away from it. Um, And the constant flood of bad news, I feel like there's kind of a pressure to be aware of every single thing going on. But sometimes I think what we need to do is really get back into our sensory experience. Yeah. And so you took this new hardening and you went out and you went surfing in San Francisco in November. How was that? It was amazing. So I, I definitely want to shout out my friend, journalist Momo Chang from Oakland Voices. She's the one that invited me and I was super intimidated uh, about the prospect of stepping into 40 or 50 something degree waters in November. But with the wetsuit and her encouragement, we did it and we actually managed to catch a few waves. I mostly went on my knees, but it really was it was an even more heightened version of that experience that I was describing earlier. Well, I'm glad you got to come on and share that experience with us and your one beautiful thing. Thank you, Nastia. Thanks so much, Ariana. Again, that was my interview with Nastia Wojnowskaya, associate editor for KQED Arts, sharing her one beautiful thing. Penn, did you have any reactions? Do you remember when you first read hers and it kind of came in? Yeah, I'm laughing because of all the pieces that we published, that one stuck with me because it's freezing outside when I wake up. I wake up like 5, 36 in the morning um, and I haven't been jogging. And after reading about babies being doused in ice water, I was like, man, I'm a chump. I got to I gotta get on my stuff. So I went for a jog in the cold, in some shorts, didn't regret it at all. And I listened to Australian rap music because that made sense to me that morning. Hmm. And it was it was one of the most memorable mornings of uh, since Thanksgiving. And so, oh, wow. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So thank you, Nasty, for that. Inspired yeah. me to get, get back out there. And Thea Matthews, uh, were there any kind of things that stood out to you in terms of like the somatic experience, the sensory experience that Nastia just talked about? Mm. You know, it's a trip, like listening um, and I don't know, I have to say just like what happens to the body, right? When the body responds to like these intimate moments of beauty, really, and um, how there's no preparation for it. And yet, that you know the visceral um, impact and i think Penn said it earlier right of just i'm paraphrasing of how it can just jolt us into that present moment mm-hmm. right the presence um yeah Great. well we're continuing to get other comments listener writes my one beautiful thing is the kishu mandarin they come around this time of year and they are the perfect fruit they are just little globes of citrus delight and they are highly seasonal Every time I eat a kishu, it makes me think of this time of year, being together with family, the holiday season, and how lucky I feel to be in California, where there is such abundance of delicious things to eat. They are expensive, but if you see them, grab one. You won't be sorry. 
And again, if you're just joining us, we're sharing one beautiful thing we experienced in 2022, whether it was a beautiful moment, something that kept you grounded amid the chaos, a time that you felt healed. It could be a song, a meal you had, a trinket you purchased, a full broad range of things. So you can give us a call at 866-733-6786. That's 866-733-6786. You can get in touch on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, or at KQED Forum, or you can email us your comments at forum at kqed.org. Another one we have, a listener writes, in October, I took a quick two-day trip with my mother to reunite with three of her sisters in Reno. It had been years since they had been together in one place, and it was so beautiful to hear them spend time together laughing and sharing meals. We made a quick visit to Lake Tahoe, and it was this beautiful moment to appreciate the beauty of nature and family and the love that has nurtured me. It reminded me how important it is to make the effort to see your family, even when you live far away. Well, that's sorry. Yeah, go I'm ahead, noticing, Penn. I'm noticing a common thread here. Um, there's so much about travel, and it's not always physical travel like that, but travel even through memories, like what Nasty said, or small travel, you know, locally. Um, I, the, I want to get out of the country like that. That was a reminder, like, oh, yeah, note to self, get out the country next year. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, there's something to be said about uh, how our maybe we are more receptive to beauty once we travel and get out and and travel again can mean many things but maybe this is just encouraging people to to get out of their um their own get out of their own way and and see the world a little bit more and that was Pendarvis Harshaw. He's columnist for KQED Arts and host of KQED's Right Nowish podcast. We're also talking with Thea Matthews this hour, poet and educator. She serves as an assistant content producer at the Academy of American Poets and teaches poetry at the Writing Salon. And we're going to go into the break listening to some other beautiful music from this year, Salt. It's titled Fight for Love. I'm Ariana Prail in for Alexis Madrigal. We'll hear from you and more of your beautiful things after the break. This is Forum. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. 
Welcome back to Forum. I'm Ariana Prail in for Alexis Madrigal. This hour, we're talking about one beautiful thing from 2022 that you experienced, asking you to share those with us at 866-733-6786. It's based on a KQED arts essay series of the same name. I'm talking with Pendarvis Harsha, columnist for KQED Arts and host of KQED's Right Nowish podcast, and also Thea Matthews, a poet and educator who's from San Francisco. And... We are going to go to a caller that we have. Dawn in Palo Alto, you're on. Hi, thanks for having this really great show. I love these year-end kind of retrospectives. Yeah. <laughs> um, my kind of wondrous thing is uh, I had a baby in September. Oh, and congratulations. And babies are wondrous in and of themselves, so thank you. Um, and what was really remarkable to me is when uh, she was born, the doctors are like, she has blonde hair. My husband and I, neither of us have dark, like blonde hair. And my daughter, my older daughter doesn't have blonde hair either. Um, and so as she's gotten older, my, my baby, she, it's actually turned into strawberry blonde hair. So it's really remarkable to me to kind of think about the genetic connections to the people in my past that have caused this, you know, feature about her to come out. And it's also very pretty hair too. So mm. I'm like, in, in awe of it and wondrous. And like, I look at it every day and think, where did that come from? Who did that? How did that end up on, on my baby? Because again, my husband has brown hair and I have brown hair. So I just, I think, I think about that constantly when I look at her, it's just, and she's cute too. So, yeah. um, oh. but, uh, I, I really am in one, in one, I, it's wondrous to me. Yeah, it's, it's just kind of one of those so, other moments that reminds you of just like the marvels of life and the unexpected, right? Well, and the connection to the mm. people, like, you know, yeah. when this happened, we're like, my mom, I was asking our parents, like, who had blonde hair? Who had strawberry blonde hair? And they're like, oh, this person or that person. Oh, you were a towhead when you were a baby. And, and so like, and so it's just... It sparked all these stories. to the past yeah. in... Um, in the in the form of a baby who's going to, you know, take it to the future. It's right. very touching. Right. Well, thank you so, so much for sharing it with us, Dawn. Yeah, no, and it's a beautiful thing. Enjoy your time with your young one. Oh, thank you. You guys have a nice day. Bye. Too. Bye. And speaking of more beautiful things. We also have another uh, member of the KQED Arts team joining us. Christy Song, who is a KQED Arts intern, wrote a piece for the series that's titled A Conversation with a Stranger About Love. Welcome to Forum, Christy. Hi, Ariana. Thank you. Yeah. So, Christy, your piece really struck me for the level of vulnerability in it. Your opening line is, in April, I asked a stranger what it felt like to be in love. So what was behind that question and what did the conversation reveal to you? Yeah, so earlier this year, I was taking a class in narrative writing with Carvel Wallace. And Carvel really inspired me to think more about personal essay writing. And I often talk about love with my friends and I'm thinking about love and ruminating on it all the time. And so... I reached out to a few different centers in Berkeley where I live, and I happened to be able to get in contact with Eric, who is a clinician in training at Pacific Center. And the conversation just brought me so much tenderness and love, and I was really inspired by that to write this piece. 
And when within the essay, you describe a moment in college, too, when you're act, you say you're actively avoiding your own dorm and hanging out in your friend's dorm room. And the friend isn't there, but your friend's roommate comes home and tells you they've had a crappy day and asks you if they can cuddle. Um, what prompted you to think about that moment and include that in the story? Right. Um, so when I was in college, I was very much... Um, I still consider myself a late bloomer in a lot of ways. And so I think that memory stuck out to me because it was the first time someone really earnestly asked me for physical affection like that. Mm. And it was a very confusing moment. But when I look back, it was also just a lot of platonic love that I got to experience with somebody. And I think that's also really big factor when I'm thinking about love nowadays and how it comes in so many different forms. Yeah. And I think it does speak to what many people are still struggling with um, or looking for reconnection and connection that feels meaningful um, and that affection and where you feel seen or you feel genuinely comforted. Right. And right. and what was so kind of what was your your ultimate takeaway from that conversation um, about, you know, do you feel like your question was answered in a way that feels um, full for you? I think so. Um, prior to the conversation, I feel like I was constantly trying to seek like some sort of formula or equation of like a correct way to approach finding romantic love. And this conversation with Eric really showed me that it's it's very instantaneous a lot of the times and it's incalculable and you can't really um, put words to it or put um, like sensations until you just come into contact with it and it feels very natural and there's chemistry in that and there's there's just so much to be discovered from not trying to plot or figure out if that makes sense what yeah. love really is. Yeah. Oh, well, thanks for stopping by to share your reflections on love and your one beautiful thing, Christy. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah. Christy Song, KQED Arts intern. Her piece is A Conversation with a Stranger About Love. You can find it at kqed.org slash arts, along with all the other essays featured in that series. And speaking of connection, Thea Matthews, you've talked about um, not taking eye contact with another person for granted anymore. What's there for you now that maybe wasn't previously in the eye contact? Mm, um, intimacy, right? Or it, it could be this, um, I don't know, surprise. You know, I think, yeah, when the pandemic hit and there was shutdown uh, and there was no <laughs> interaction really, just, yeah, a state of terror where, oh my gosh, is it safe to leave you know, the house. And so not being able to interact with people for an extended period of time and seeing, you know, once I was able to again and look people in the eye, there was just something that was so ineffable, similar to what was discovered in Christie's essay of love, you know? Um, and I love that essay, a conversation with a stranger about love and how it's that feeling. It's it's ineffable. You really can't put words to when you look into the eyes of someone else, right? Mm -hmm. um, there could be a surprise. I don't know, a shock. Uh, it could be uncomfortable, right? There's those like initial surface level reactions, right? But really like 
there's a meditation that comes where you're like, yeah, I see you. And mm -hmm. I'm also seen by what is contained within that body. Right. Yeah. Um, and that there's something more than just flesh, skin, bone. Um, and I love that, you know, um, where love, beauty surpasses what's tangible, surpasses what's material, right? Mm -hmm. um, there's something else at play. Yeah. Well, we're getting some more calls. Scott and Martinez, you're on. Yeah, hey, thanks for the show. Um, my uh, beautiful moment from this year was uh, definitely when I took my 25-year-old uh, son uh, last weekend to Freight and Salvage in Berkeley to see my favorite musician of all time, uh, Booker T., uh, from the MGs, um, ah. and uh, he had he actually had his son on guitar, um, oh, so and cool. we were literally in the first row, like pretty much sitting underneath his Hammond B3, and and um, you know we've been to dozens of, of concerts together, but um, this was kind of a religious experience. And at the end, when we were walking out, he just kind of turned to me and kind of put his hand on my shoulder and said, "You know what, Dad? I get it. Oh." <laughs> I get it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I love that. As as a daughter of a of a music nerd and my dad, who I feel like I get all of my love for that from him and kind of share that kind of bond like that. That's really beautiful. That triggers that kind of those kinds of beautiful moments that I've had, too, with my dad. That's great. Thank you. Well, I hope you get to have many more um, of those music moments um, in the new year. Thanks so much, Scott. And now let's go to Amy in West Marin County. Amy, you're on. Yeah, hi. Good morning. Um, so my story is about something that happened recently. Um, I called my sister about, let's see, a few weeks ago, and she was really sad about something like, what's up, sis? What's going on? And um, I should tell you a, back, a bit of background. She, uh, Well, we lost my mom to COVID um, two years ago, November 30th years ago oh, I'm sorry. and thank you and she had my sister had a car accident back in March where she crushed her leg and oh. she's not been able to walk for a few months now and so she's just basically been homebound so I called her the other day she's back in Pittsburgh I'm here in California um, I've always wanted to be able to help my mom and my sister financially you know but it's expensive to live in California and um, I recently got a new job that's paying me a bit more, and I have a little more capability. And um, I called her, and I was like, "What's up, sis?" She said there was a thunderstorm recently, and my it blew my TV. And so she she was like sitting in her apartment with nothing to do all day. And I, you know, and I and I thought about it. And also, um, her birthday is two days before Christmas, so she's always gotten gypped there, and. It not only is it two days before Christmas, but it's the same day as my brother, a year apart. So <laughs> she's always gotten the short end. And I didn't even have to think about it. I was like, yes, what kind of TV do you want? And I got on, you know, online and I clicked a button and she got her TV on Friday. And, you know, it felt so good to be able to do that for someone I love so dearly and someone who's had a rough yeah, she's had a rough life, you know, yeah. so it just, it just felt so good. Um, we both started crying. And anyway, she got the TV on Friday, and she she's, like, thrilled. <laughs> nice. So I'm glad she gets to enjoy that. Yeah, I mean, just the, the simple 
the simple thing of just giving and receiving. Yeah. Something. And, yeah. you know, having the ability to do it. Yes. And I didn't have it when my mom was alive. And unfortunately, you know, I had to watch her get put into a nursing home because I didn't have the means to to help out more, you know. So anyway. Yeah. Well, it's a beautiful yeah. thing for your sister and a beautiful um, sister moment um, that you're you're such <laughs> yeah. a good sister. So Absolutely. thank you so much for sharing, Amy. <laughs> thank you. Yes. Have a great Christmas. You too. Thank you. Bye-bye. And we have another comment. Mary writes, my beautiful moment featured poop. <laughs> Last Friday, I was walking my sweet dog, a bag of poop swinging in its lavender-scented green baggie. An unknown neighbor was wheeling in her trash was wheeling in her trash recycled compost bins. Here, give me your dog waste. Completely understated, completely kind and beautiful um, default to nice. So, you know, that's that comment actually makes me think of a line um, from another essay in the series titled The Flea Market is My Weekend by Sarah Hotchkiss, who wrote, quote, I have to remind myself that even though there is something for everyone at the flea market, the flea market is not for everyone, which... Pen again goes to that thing that, you know, acknowledging that not everyone is going to understand your thing, right? Your beauty, because as we mentioned before, kind of eye on the beholder, everybody's got their different tastes and likes. Um, so what are other everyday things that bring you joy, for example, that are unique to, you know, Pendarvis Harsha? <laughs> um, goodness, the morning, period, the morning. Um, being a parent, uh, most recently... Teaching my daughter how to ride a bike, um, that's probably the one that I didn't write about. Um, just because it's so beautiful to teach the mechanics as well as the mental thing of getting over the fear of falling, even mm-hmm. after falling. Um, beautiful things that I like. That, hmm, that's interesting. I think discovering new music on Thursday nights at 9 o'clock, new music comes out, and mm-hmm. I I feel like a kid at Christmas. and. This past week, the release of Ab Soul's album, um, before that, the week of uh, SZA's album. And so, yeah, just finding new music every week is probably my weekly dose of beauty. Yeah. Actually, we have another call that involves a poem. Sophia Matthews, I'm going to follow up with you on this one. Um, Let's go to Meredith in San Francisco. Meredith, you're on. Um, Hi, thank you. Um, It's ideal. My beautiful thing is a small object that my childhood, I was not able to fall asleep one night, and I was thinking about a spoon, and I wrote a several saga of a poem about the items from my childhood home that I have grew up with and loved and shared with my siblings and my parents. And we lost our childhood home because my mother passed away, and we sold it, and it went on to a beautiful family, and it's all good. But um, the poem is about the items that I wish that my children would have as much familiarity with as I have had. Mm. And the poem goes on to say, I hope that my children will, I want for my children's children to drink from the same cups that their grandparents did. And I shared this poem on Thanksgiving with my cousins because mm. I we don't have a family home. So we go to my cousin's house and we can all sit outside and we could do it during the COVID period in Ojai. And I shared the poem and we all had a, several tears and also realized that we were drinking from our grandparents' cups and so were our children. Oh, thank you for sharing that, Meredith. Um, It's it's beautiful to have nostalgia for for household items and then continue to share that love with our generations. Yeah. 
And Thea, just briefly, since we're approaching the end, um, yeah, just the ability to, you know, use poetry to help encapsulate some of that nostalgia, some of the memory, capture the beautiful things in words um, to be able to have kind of that tangible memory of it. Mm, Form has been a very um, strong path that I've embarked upon this year that has been used to, yeah, encapsulate time or destabilize it to alchemize and, you know, uncover the beauty, um, you know, language, oof, it's deep, you know, in terms of working with words as a medium to then demonstrate uh, the symbolism, right? Playing with metaphor, like what we're, you know, responding to the caller where a spoon is no longer a spoon. Right, it could become an heirloom. It could become um, the symbol that you know can tie generations together. Right, ribbon. The spoon mm-hmm. becomes ribbon, and so it's uh, finding those associations and drawing upon associations um, have been oof, my saving grace for connection. Right, mm-hmm. connection on the page, connection with others, um, and that has been really helpful with poetry. That's what, yeah. That's what I do as a poet. <laughs> well, let's try and squeeze in one last call. Natalie from Oakland, if you can be really quick, but we'd love to hear your story. What was one beautiful thing for you in 2022? Yes, one beautiful thing. Um, I'm 30 years old. I grew up very self-conscious as a child of immigrants of my Spanish-speaking abilities. I'm not extremely fluent, but I took some steps this year to try to improve also that I could have better conversations with my living grandma, my abuelita Consuelo. Um, this year, last Wednesday, she was getting ready to go in for open heart surgery. I was really glad that I took the day off, dropped everything to go visit her and had a very rare opportunity to have a one-on-one conversation with her, the longest conversation I'd ever had. It lasted one hour. We sat, just chatted through my broken Spanish and trying to pick up everything I could from her. We laughed and hugged and she kind of marveled at me like I was a baby telling me how proud she was of me and how much she loved me. Um, That's so beautiful. And I hate to to cut off the rest of the story, but thank you for so much um, for sharing that story with us, Natalie. And to all of you listeners who shared your one beautiful thing from 2022. And thank you, Pendarvis Harshaw, columnist for KQED Arts, Thea Matthews, poet and educator, Gabe Moline, senior editor for KQED Arts, who joined us earlier, Christy Song, KQED Arts intern as well. I'm Ariana Prail, in for Alexis Madrigal. More forum, or actually, no, more NPR coverage coming next. Funds for the production of Forum are provided by the members of KQED Public Radio, the Germanicos Foundation, the Generosity Foundation, and the Heising-Simons Foundation. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set ten years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. 
Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. All over the country, we need to improve reading in Wisconsin. Schools are changing the way they teach reading. I'm calling for a renewed focus on literacy. We have gotten this wrong in New York and all across the nation. And it's happening because of a podcast. I think your podcast has changed my life. And I'm going to share this podcast with everyone I meet. Sold a Story investigates how teaching kids to read went wrong. New episodes of Sold a Story are available now.